0: Hello and welcome to A Phil Svitek Podcast, a series that offers up my various insights, concepts, and findings from years of experiences, mentorship, and exploration. The episode you're about to listen to is an interview I did with Ali Nasta for another show called Open Source Knowledge. That podcast is no longer active, but the information contained in this episode is very much still relevant, which is why I want to share it with you. Interestingly enough, it was open source knowledge that served as the jumping off point for developing this podcast. Furthermore, it's a great time capsule for me and hopefully for you of where my mind was at just over a year ago. The reason I've chosen to repost this episode is because it's a great companion piece to my latest lesson, which was on budgeting. The interview you're about to listen to goes much deeper into finances, so you can explore the concepts I introduced in that lesson more meaningfully. I recommend you listen to that lesson first. It's the one called, Let's Talk About Money, and then return to this. But if not, well, I won't judge you or scold you. After all, you'll certainly learn something. So, please enjoy.
1: Knowledge. I'm your host, Allie Nasta, and right here next to me is Phil Svitek. Phil, how are you doing today?
0: I'm good. It's 2018.
1: I know. A new year. So exciting. And you know what's also exciting is we have an amazing guest, Vito Gatilla, your economics connoisseur.
0: That's a good description. <laughs> For a moment, I thought you were going to say the economy is very exciting. I was like, oh. No. <laughs> So I don't excited. know if it's still too good, but <laughs> we'll find out. That's
1: one of those things that I'm actually wanted to ask is why we are so intimidated by this topic.
2: Just in general, you mean? Yeah,
1: why do you think we're intimidated? Why does that word economics frighten us?
2: Because so I think it means something different to everybody. I mean, that's one of the reasons I think everyone kind of freaks out over it because you have um, the school of thought that I most kind of ascribe to is called the Austrian School of Economics, but that's very not really fashionable at the moment because, like I said, there's so many other schools of thought on everything, you know, whether you're talking about um, capital theory, monetary theory, anything like that, and who knows even what those things are, right? <laughs> so you're gonna listen to whoever's shouting the loudest, f- mm-hmm. for the most part, and they're always saying different things, and who knows who's telling the truth, and it's just kind of this big mess all the time, you know, as yeah. far as the, you know, norm- every, everybody's concerned.
0: To, you know? To take a quick step back, in terms of your sort of expertise and your interest in economics, how did that come about? I've always um,
2: found just systems interesting, like how how systems work,
0: um, whether that's
2: computers. I really don't know that much about computers, but I find them interesting um, or anything like that. And when I kind of stumbled across, I think I I found first um, a guy named Stefan Molyneux, who is not really an economist but he talks a lot about economics and that's how I kind of got interested in it because I I really enjoyed whenever he would go into um, kind of talking about some economics and that led me towards a lot of other resources that I kind of delved into and really just kind of fell off the deep end into a little bit for a while, Um, about three or four years ago. um, Just read a bunch of books and um, read a bunch of websites and um, just found it very interesting, you know.
1: And so I have to ask you, what does it mean to you? Because obviously you say there's different types of economics that we can all research and describe and kind of go in depth on. But what does it mean to you? What what specific... Part of economics are you uh, specializing
2: in? Economics to me is most interesting when it's talking about individuals and how individuals act when given certain circumstances and incentives. Um, The school of economics that I kind of ascribe to, um, the Austrian school, starts from a completely different. Place than most schools of economics start from. Um, oftentimes, you'll see like you know, if you ever take an economics class in college or something like that. I know I did. You'll have like all these equations and graphs and you know functions and calculus and you know all these like crazy symbols and stuff. And there's none of that in um, the Austrian school of economics. It starts from the basic um, um, axiom, I guess. You know this this true knowledge um, that human beings use scarce means to achieve definite ends. Um, And from there, we logically deduce all of the rest of economics um, using verbal logic, not using uh, mathematics, because there's no way to quantify how much I prefer one thing as opposed to another, or there's no way to quantify um, the, the changing desires and goals of every human being in the entire world. And you can kind of... Uh, kind of get around that a little bit and you can sometimes um, calculate certain things in terms of purely like um, pure quantities like whether the stock market's at this level or this level or something like that but it's very um, ineffective in terms of uh, forecasting um, I guess. So if if that answers your question at all.
1: (laughs) Yeah I mean it's all it's all very interesting because everybody has different hobbies and different things that sparks their interest and Clearly, you have a bunch with karate <laughs> and playing the violin, but that's why we were just kind of interested to see what it meant to you. Mm-hmm. Phil has some great questions oh, that awesome. he should kick off.
0: What would be so for you? For you it was just kind of discovering um, through him, and uh, what's a good entry point now that you sort of know more about it mm-hmm. for an average person into you know just a just a cursory knowledge of economics, because um, as, as you said, it's it's healthy to look at it from an individual standpoint. Mm-hmm. So for the average individual, what's that starting position?
2: Okay. Well, I would not recommend people do what I did and go check out Stephen Molyneux unless you're very specifically interested in uh, very libertarian kind of um, commentary, pol- political commentary along with the economics because he's very much a political commentator um, and even is not my favorite anymore um, um, just because I don't really like his presentation. Um, I would recommend people go to a website called the Foundation for Economic Education or another website called the Mises Institute. Um, And those, to me, are the best places to start. They both have um, uh, education sections on the website that kind of give you an intro to – Intro to economics, basically, and kind of give you a very step-by-step kind of read this this uh, read this read one and then this one and then this one or, you know, even a more basic outline if you want that. So they have a lot of great resources on those two websites. Um, as far as, like, books to read, I always recommend people start with um, Economics in One Lesson by Henry Hazlitt, um, which is a very kind of um, non-technical, very um, – I guess vernacular kind of uh, e- explanation of basic economic concepts um, to kind of give you give you an intro to how how to think about economics even yeah. So
1: it, that's interesting, and those like little pieces of what books and stuff I should read that's where I need to start because I think also too we hear these concepts and we've talked about personal finance and everything before it's kind of it's overwhelming because there's so many books you can read especially these days there's thousands of bookstores thousands of things for they have those 101 books for dummies and all these things but you don't know which one's the best so it's interesting to know if there's one piece that you can kind of start with and then go back from there and kind of figure it out and
2: you need to like have some sort of frame of reference to judge which books you should read and you don't really get that unless you have some kind of starting point because, uh, yeah, like you said, otherwise you're just flirting this sea of just, like, disparate opinions that you don't even know are disparate because you have, don't understand anything they're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely uh, kind of daunting if you don't know where to start with it. So, and, again, there's lots of different opinions, too. Like, there's right. definitely different basic economics books that you can go check out from different schools of
0: thought as well. Mm-hmm. This is... Uh, I don't mean it to be facetious, any sort, but why should people care about economics? Because when you... Tr- you take the term personal finances as the word personal mm-hmm. in it. Therefore, yeah. oh, it applies this to me. Economics me. Yeah. is kind of—I feel may, maybe this is me—that you just apply it to the government, and it's, it's out of my control. So, mm-hmm. why care about it?
2: Yeah. yeah, that's definitely a good question, and uh, I think it's a big reason why people don't care about economics is because they do think about it that way. It's like it's way over my head. I have no say in what happens anyway. All this kind of stuff. But if you don't understand economics, we all, you know, by the nature of the system we're in, we all have at least some sort of say in what's in terms of what's going on. You can debate, you know, how much of one, you know, every single individual has. But um, if you're going to be voting for either politicians or policies, you know, especially for local city ordinances, um, or um, I guess it, I don't know what, know what the word is, but whenever you directly vote for something in the city, um, you're having an opinion on economics one way or the other if you're voting for one of those policies and if you don't actually know what you're talking about you're going to vote based on your gut reaction which is most of the time in my experience wrong for a lot of people because um, i don't know a lot of people have a lot of mistaken ideas about economics so economics is everything it's how uh, um, people relate to one another it has everything to do with the value of your money it has everything to do with um, the fluctuations in um, the you know stock market that affect all of us um, in terms of how you can affect it or you know kind of um, uh, influence it you know it might not be the the biggest um, the biggest factor for you but um, it's definitely important to understand and uh, it's interesting you know
1: mm-hmm. it's crazy to think too that it's not just having to do with money or tool, right, a, a yeah. I think that's why it's a little confusing is because it has to do with so many different
2: Yeah, there are a lot of things. different parts of it for sure. Yeah, it's
1: not just math or Yeah, well, it's not just literature. money
2: you know, whenever I say I like economics the first question everybody asks me is, you know, "Oh, are you in the stock market then?" like cuz that's what people think of when they think mm-hmm. of economics is the stock market, you know, or which is probably the most, I don't know, visible part of the economy for a lot of people. Um, but it has way more to do with everything than just you know the up ups and downs you know of the I don't know the s p 500 or whatever it's about you know how does money even like come about like what is money how does it function you know what is the effect when you pump more money into the system why should we care about that because it affects you know everyone through you know devaluing every individual unit of that money in this case the dollar that we have all that kind of stuff you know mm-hmm. so it's it's way more all-encompassing than just yeah stocks <laughs> or something like that
0: if you had to sort of break it apart and say, okay, what are the benchmarks that define a good or bad economy? What would, so the stock market would mm-hmm. be one of them, uh, the currency <clears throat> exchange rate, maybe. What are some other um, things?
2: The interest rate is actually a huge part of economic health and something that has not been allowed to kind of be healthy for a very long time now. The Federal Reserve kind of. Controls interest rates to a loose degree um, through a lot of different policies that they have, whether that's open market operations, all that kind of stuff. They're basically buying and selling assets on the market in order to pump more money or take money out of the system in order to influence uh, interest rates. And that interest rate is an extremely important part of an economy because it's a signal to all sorts of entrepreneurs – Um, When it's low enough um, to invest in long-term projects, for example, if you're, I don't know, um, interested in building a factory, that's going to take a long time to build. It's going to take a long time to produce the product that you're wanting to produce. Um, You have to invest a lot of capital up front, though, to build all this stuff, and you're not going to see the fruit of that for a long time. That's a long-term project. If interest rates are really high, you might say, mm, this isn't really worth it for me. I'm going to have to pay a lot in interest over time. If it's really low, you might say, you know, hey, this is worth it now. If interest rates are artificially low because the Federal Reserve is manipulating interest rates artificially and it's not actually representative of what's actually happening in the economy, um, we call that malinvestment. Um, resources are dedicated to projects that are not actually going to turn out – well in the long run um, and that's all influenced by the incentives presented by these interest rates and so that's a big reason why you have something like the um, this, uh, crash of 2008 or you have the crash in, in 1928 I think it was was the crash in the Great Depression or I might admit 29 20, yeah yeah, 29. I think it was 29 um, that's the reason why those happen why they are prolonged this is a kind of a different story um, different topic but um, I would say interest rates are probably one of the biggest um, signs of a healthy economy Um, The stock market is actually, a lot of people think because it's so high right now, it has to be a good thing. It's actually a lot of the reason the stock market is so high right now is because interest rates are so low, you can't get a lot of return on your investment anywhere else. You have to kind of rely on equities or stocks um, instead of bonds or anything else um, because that's the only place you're going to get the kind of returns you've promised to people um, for their retirement, for their investments, um, or whatever it is, especially for pensions, that kind of stuff. Um, so that's a big reason why the stock market's so high right now. It doesn't necessarily indicate economic health. It could be just everything's being funneled in here because everything else is kind of crap right now, you know. So it just depends, you know.
0: What do you what do you think of the overinflation of value to companies um, like Uber, Airbnb, and all those that have these insane valuations? But they're not pulling in that much revenue. Yeah, that's.
2: A, I mean, I think, uh, Um, was it uh, Snapchat was oh a big gosh, example of yeah. that? When it went public, it went it way takes. up and then just Yeah. Because, of course, they have no actual business model to make a profit. Um, everyone's just like, oh, this is popular. It's going to do well. And, you know, all these people who think they know what they're doing pump money into it and then they realize, oh, this actually wasn't what I was thinking it was. So, yeah, a lot of, um, a lot of tech companies like that can be – um, overvalued, I think, but it just depends. In the long run, we'll see who's overvalued and who's undervalued, because you know we'll see who is uh, competitive or not. Like Facebook has become a, a much better investment than it used to be. I think they still have a little ways to go, but I think Uber in particular is probably a better value than something like Snapchat, for sure, because they actually have a business model, a revenue model. Um, but a lot of these social media sites like Twitter for a long time and all these kind of things were, were not... Uh, we're not worth the prices that we're being um, paid for, in my opinion. That's the thing. It's all subjective, you know. If you think it is, you're going to pay that, mm-hmm. but it might not turn out the way you want in the long run, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Sorry, I'm taking this all in right now, so <laughs> I'm, I'm like <laughs> I'm just trying to divulge all the information that I'm listening to. For sure, to,
2: but uh, it's, it's definitely a lot. Yeah, it is.
1: Well, and it is. It is truly opinions too, because just like if you're mm-hmm. going to invest into a company and hope that it does well and and trust in it, then that's all that's all of your opinion that's what you want to do and right. then that kind of fluctuates if everybody has the trust in this one company then that can make it go up and
2: yeah i mean that's it, you being an entrepreneur in a way right. i mean that's the whole the whole the whole deal i mean my economic insights don't necessarily tell me whether people are going to like snapchat enough to keep Either paying for advertisements or you know yeah. making this you know um, making these decisions to actually make it profitable, I don't know that based on what I know about economics. All I can do is kind of guess you know and and um, have an informed guess essentially, and that's what everybody does whenever they anticipate somebody wanting to buy this thing over here, and so they produce it over here, or I think this is going to be more valuable later, so I'm going to buy that It's all a bunch of um informed guesses essentially you know.
0: Where do you stand then on cryptocurrencies?
2: I've been doing a little bit of that li- r- lately. It's very interesting. Um, everyone's talking about Bitcoin because it's gone up like crazy. It's actually down again, around eleven thousand, I think.
1: But yeah. answer this for me, guys. I'm sorry. Excuse my ignorance, but I know a lot <laughs> of people are asking this. Is it's it's fake money? Technically, it's fake. Well, money is is fake. Well, yeah, I guess you're right.
2: (laughs) What is fake? (laughs) But that's the
1: thing is Bitcoin is just something that somebody made up. Right. I mean, so most, most
2: of the dollars in circulation right now are just digital. There's honestly not right. a dollar bill for most of the money in circulation today. And so it's kind of a similar thing, except with Bitcoin, I'm not the best person to ask about how it works. But right. um, from my understanding, the way it works is there's a set amount of Bitcoin that can ever be mined um, uh, in, in, you know, in all of time and space, I guess. I think it's around 23 million uh, Bitcoins. And the way it works, it's modeled after gold, actually. So you have to put a certain amount of processing power towards trying to solve this very difficult, complicated math equation. And um, all these computers around the world are trying to solve this equation. Um, people dedicate massive amounts of resources to this. There's whole farms of processors or you know, networks, I guess, whatever, servers, dedicated to crunching the numbers on this math problem. And it, I think it changes every, I don't remember how, how long, every certain couple of weeks or something like that. Um, somebody will solve the problem and you get I think something like eight bitcoins um, and you get to somehow uh, control the um, some sort of information on the blockchain. I'm not sure exactly how it works. Um, but that's how you get new bitcoins. You have these computers trying to process this um, math equation and whoever solves it essentially gets a new block of bitcoins. Um, and it is you know kind of just digital. you know it, people get nervous about that um but i mean like i said what is money I mean, right. money is just something that everyone's agreed that we're going to trade this thing and i'm going to accept it from you and i because i think that this person over here is going to accept it from me later um and that could be that anything that is true it's know? all
1: kind of imaginary it's if actually you think one of my favorite it.
2: topics is how money actually comes ra- about um in an economy or in a primitive economy and right. then you know comes to where it is now which is a whole different it's a thing, whole different
1: but, thing but it is very intriguing sure.
0: well, <laughs> the interesting part about it um you know, I'm not too versed enough to kind of really support this argument other than the fact of if you, if you look at any piece of mach- machinery, the only thing that's never gone down is the internet. Mm-hmm. I mean certain parts of the internet have gone down, mm-hmm. yeah, like a website crashes or something like that, but the internet as a whole is the only piece of technology that has never actually shut down.
2: Yeah, it's very interesting, and I think it is kind of the future. I, I do think cryptocurrency has a lot of potential in the future. I don't think it's there yet. It needs to be more widely accepted before it can be an actual money. Um, people right now are treating it more as an investment, which is not, it's not a good investment. I wouldn't recommend putting a lot of money into Bitcoin right now. Um, it, it, I like the idea of it as a money, but it's not there yet. Hopefully someday it'll become more widespread, more adopted. Because it's, it's a lot of useful qualities about it, other than it just being money. It's very um, secure. Um, it keeps a, a ledger of all the transactions that have taken place. Um, you can set up smart contracts through it so that if certain conditions are met, then the funds will be transferred all by yourself. You know, And you can do this anywhere in the world for very low fees. I mean, right now the fees are a little bit high because of some technical things that are going on in Bitcoin right now. Um, but ideally, the fees would be very low, like a penny um, or more, like it used to be in Bitcoin. Um, so it has a lot of potential and it could be a very cool thing in the future. And one of my favorite things about it is it's not regulated by anybody. It's more of a, uh, organic kind of money than what we've been using for over a century now, you know?
0: So, what is the role of government in economy? Or and obviously, that's a big question <laughs> yeah, as totally a communist versus exactly a capitalist, and you get two completely different answers. I get yeah, that, for sure. But.
2: And I think it's important. People probably know that I have my own, you know, of course, opinions on government from a moral perspective. Um, uh, that doesn't have to play in economics, but it certainly can. Um, my opinion is that government doesn't have a huge role to play in economics, or doesn't necessarily have to now in the you have to make two distinctions you know you could say in this theoretical world where you know um i i make all the you know stipulations about you know what the conditions are or in the real world right now that we're living in um because it's so complicated the, all of the things that have been done up until this point in history have made everything just so crazy and insane all over the place um I still think it would be a better thing to get a lot more government out of economics and get it back on a more sustainable, more healthier path. Um, But in theory especially, um, I don't think there's much role for government at all in economics. I think it mostly takes care of itself, um, and especially in the long run. um, Whether you're talking about, I don't know, um, regulation, whether you're talking about um, monetary policy, creating money – um, all that kind of stuff, it's not really required for any of it. Again, if you're talking about the real world right now, there's all kinds of complications for that, but um, especially in a theoretical sense, I don't think there's much role for it.
1: Right. When you say it takes care of itself, what do you mean by that? Because how, like, just by person-to-person, business-to-business, taking care of things, where it doesn't technically need to be regulated by the government?
2: It depends on what you're talking about, I guess. Um, if you're talking about... I don't know. issuing licenses to florists or something like that. Right. That's a whole different thing. I mean, right. that's not strictly economic, I guess. Um, if you're talking about something like antitrust law, mm-hmm. or unions, or anything like that, um, yeah, I don't think there's much much reason to involve um, government at all. Uh, in all those cases, it, I'd have to get more into detail about any one specific thing. But mm-hmm. I guess uh, to be brief, you know, in terms of even antitrust, let's talk about that. Um, the fear is that, oh, this one company will get so much power and you know, take over all these other companies, and then they'll have control over prices, and they can just jack up their prices, and no one will have any choice to go anywhere else. But in any case that that's ever happened in history, it's not lasted very long. Like Rock, the Rockefeller Corporation or whatever his uh, standard oil, I guess, is one people point to a lot. But they actually lost a ton of market share very quickly after they you know came up because they invented this new thing, this new process you know, to make kerosene, to make oil, to make all these other products out of um, petroleum that no one else had ever had before. And so, of course, they got a lot of market share. But as people figured out how to do the same thing, they lost market share. And now they're nowhere to be seen. Um, and the same could be said of most monopolies that have kind of, um, I, I guess if you're just listening, I did air quotes there, <laughs> um, throughout history that haven't been somehow supported by, um, either being like a government contractor where they get a guaranteed business from the government, um, that doesn't have to actually, you know, get money from people that volunteer to give it to them, but they can just take it from people or create it or whatever, um. So that's one example of where I would say that people kind of get really scared about mm-hmm. this one thing. Like, oh, what will happen if this happens? But in, if you look at it carefully, it doesn't actually happen and theoretically couldn't really happen. Um, it, 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 is this one company going to keep out all their other competitors forever? I mean, there's, if they jack up prices, isn't that a huge incentive to come in and underbid them and provide the product cheaper if it's possible to be provided cheaper? Um, all these kinds of things, you know.
0: Once, obviously... You kind of have to look at history in that sense, but um, there is a worry uh, from from what I've read with companies when you have like AOL combining with other, you know, Verizon and Yahoo, and then you've got AT and T Direct TV combining, and it's just and now Disney's got Marvel, they've got Fox, they've got all these companies, Lucas Films. So, I mean, do you sort of feel like the landscape maybe is changing and monopolies a are a lot easier? to maintain?
2: Oftentimes, especially, it, it really depends on the industry you're talking about. Um, in terms, everyone was kind of talking about the, um, the mergers in the telecom industry recently, I guess. And the thing is, the telecom industry is not a free market industry at all. I mean, there's all kinds of regulations that go into that. In, in fact, um, oftentimes, a lot of these mergers are incentivized by whether it's taxation policies or regulatory policies, all that kind of stuff. So there's a lot more of that, I would say, than there otherwise would be, because of a lot of the interventions that have been going on. Because um, any intervention always creates other problems that needs other interventions that creates other problems, and it's this whole spiraling thing. So again, like I was talking about before, if you're talking about the real world, oftentimes, yeah, a lot of this is happening. A lot of you know what you could say monopolistic competition is happening, but I would say that the causes of it are not economic so much as they are intervention. You know. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> So that is when I say that you know, antitrust is not something that we need, that's not to say that you know, negative things don't happen or um, that I'm totally a huge fan of every single merger that ever happens or anything like that. You know?
1: mm-hmm. It's very interesting because just even hearing you talk to and you've mentioned multiple times, this is my opinion, mm-hmm. and that's kind of how it seems economics works. Because it's all about companies, technically, that are starting from something and growing, and it's just all about opinion of whether yeah. people think that that company is worth them exactly. putting their money into, and that's just kind of how everything's stimulated. Exactly, it's popular yeah. opinion.
2: Well, it's driven by the demands people have. You know, I always say you could have a very, you know, moral and kind of, you know, um, uh, I don't know, cool, awesome society that you know wants a lot of what we would call good things. Um, or moral things, and that's what's going to be produced. If you have a society that wants a lot of immoral things and a lot of, you know, um, I don't know, heroin or something, I don't know, um, uh, th- then that's what's going to be produced and, you know, supplied. And, you know, it's all about what people want supply and that's and what's demand going to be supply, I guess. Supply
1: and demand. Exactly. I remember that from. <laughs> yeah,
2: supply school. and demand, which is, you know, a big part of it for sure. That's right. definitely a big part of it. But, um, yeah, it, it, that's not to say that. Um, um, Anything that is demanded should be supplied. That's a whole different question than than economics can answer. That's um, economics just answers the question. Um, you know, given this situation, how will these people act in response to the stimulus or incentives that are given to um. them?
0: This might answer my second question, but I'll start with the first one. Uh, the difference between macro and microeconomics.
2: That's a hotly debated question within the economics world. My answer to that question would be there's not a really big difference. Um, it's kind of an artificial divide for the m- most part. Um, when you deal with economics in terms of classes of people or goods or um, you know small groups as opposed to big groups, um, it's it's really kind of a fallacy because um, in my opinion, economics comes down to the individual and their decision. And if you have a big group of individuals, that's it's no different. It's just a bunch more people making decisions, um, and they don't behave any differently than a single person, really. Um, you can analyze the movements of capital across nations the same way as you analyze the movement of capital between two people. Um, it's about incentives. It's about... Um, um, It's just circumstances that they're in. You know, it's not about this formula applies to this and this formula applies to this, you know, or anything like that.
0: Here's my sort of, uh, I don't know what to call it, maybe my moralistic question or viewpoint. But I feel like, you know, the term globalization has gotten tossed Mm -hmm. around and, and part of, you know, as we're inserting the word moral into economics to be part of that definition. I feel like what, what makes economics so hard is that uh, the more people you have, the harder it is. Yeah, you can take a vote and you can have, let's say, 60%, 70% of the vote go to one thing, but that if, if you have enough people on that 30% side of the loss, they're going to be quite unhappy. Mm-hmm. And, and the more that grows uh, in a number of areas, I don't know, I guess my question off of that sort of idea... Is is it better to sort of separate into smaller factions in a sense and, and kind of – sep-
2: In terms of like nations, like smaller groups of people in, in I guess, countries or – Or
0: even just, even just the idea of let's take America. Have mm-hmm. states regulate their own sort of governing laws it's versus – More, more the, localized. Yeah. Ah, the, I and see. I, I feel like it seems to me if that's – again, if I'm correct for me – that would make more sense of the more local you get the easier things become i
2: would agree with that i think centralized control is always worse and less efficient than localized control um if you have to have control at all i would i would argue for uh, control to be localized all the way down to the individual um and you know com- uh, over whatever they you know control themselves whatever they own um but the smaller the unit the more efficient you can get for sure um when you try to organize an entire economy like the ussr did or like communist china did or any of these other examples it really doesn't go well at all Uh, and that's complete top-down control Um, and so you scale down from there to you know even smaller and i think it just gets better yeah Mm -hmm.
0: excellent um Should we talk about the government shutdown? Yeah, why not? (laughs) We're here, aren't we? Why not? (laughs) Well, so, you know, and I don't necessarily want to date this to today specifically, but um, there is a government shutdown, and it's not the first one in the history of the U.S. Uh, But I want to, A, understand it. What does that mean, and how does it affect the economy, and sort of what are the things to look for in terms of are we in the right? direction or are we going in a worse direction? Totally. I mean I've I've
2: not really been keeping track of this particular shutdown, but I do remember um I don't remember when it was, but I remember the last one. It's two thousand thirteen. I think it was something like that. It seemed to me that nothing really happened because of it. I think people over overestimate the importance of the day to day doings of, you know, Washington DC, I guess. Um and I don't think it'll really amount to much in the long run. Um but it is interesting. I, I, uh, I'm I'm just fascinated by everything that's happening right now just because it's just, it's kind of like watching a train crash. You're just like, I can't look away. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, in terms of the stock market or in terms of, like, anything else you could talk about, like, kind of on the surface, I don't think it will change much.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, from what I read, and this is just very – baseline sort of digging into it um it lasted for about 16 days initially the stocks and so forth took a hit but then within Mm -hmm. like a month month and a half things kind of recovered
2: it's it all it all comes back people kind of freak out like oh what's happening but then it's like okay and pretty soon it just jumps back back up Yeah. yeah yeah those sorts of things are um little dips and then everything gets back on it's when Um, it's when the big crashes come that kind of the the major worries come. I don't stress too much about little dips here and there.
0: What do you think the next major?
2: I anticipate it'll be in the next few years probably, but it could be longer than that. You never know. Um, The thing with predicting um, the movements of economies like that, it's impossible to pinpoint exactly when something's going to happen you can more talk about inevitabilities like it's inevitable that there will be some sort of crash because there's huge bubbles all over the place whether you're talking about student loans car loans um, um, commercial real estate anything like that there's even uh, kind of a, another housing bubble um, and it's all one big bubble that kind of encompasses a bunch of different industries so it's got to come down at some point. There's, it's not sustainable at all given the interest rates that are you know, in place right now, the Fed's policy. It still has a huge um, uh, amount of assets that it owns that it's going to have to get rid of at some point, which is going to do all kinds of crazy things. Um, but I don't know when it's going to come. Um, and I was talking to a, um, a family friend um, uh, of ours the other day who is a financial advisor, um, and he knows a lot more about um, kind of the day-to-day personal finance stuff than I do. Uh, and he was talking saying that you know even even the two thousand eight crash you know he 's gained all that back you know it's it 's not like that 's going to ruin everything forever and you know you 're never going to get your money back like it it 's going to be fine in the long run and and I think that 's going to be the case even if it, even in the case of a big crash like this because it's kind of you can't can 't stop the momentum of you know an economy of this size at this point
0: well that's that, what i 've read is that you got to just know how to ride that wave because essentially you know um what is it bear markets right that's the low one or is it i honestly it,
2: am not positive which Boulder one's which bear.
0: um i think it's the bear market when it, when things are really low i mean generally oftentimes like it happens at least once a year mm-hmm. that you know we get into like the Minus forty percent of of the stock market, and that, that happens regularly. Yeah, and people don't really care or realize.
2: No, totally. I mean, there's people who are paid a lot of money to figure that out and kind of surf that wave, and that's not my expertise <laughs> at all. Um, and even they are often wrong about it. It's a hard thing to predict, and it, um, it's it's a difficult thing to uh, to do for sure. But um, yeah, in the long run, everything's mostly up still, um, uh, at least for uh, the United States economy, um, which is a good thing for us for sure.
0: What's your take on – I was reading something where um, the argument was – and I I haven't followed up in terms of what the update is on on both sides. But us as the U.S. not participating in um, environmental sort of updates and stuff will actually hurt our economy because as things go green in Europe and so forth – they're just going to develop new technologies and so forth and it's going to be a booming business and we're going to miss out. That's
2: possible, I guess. Um, It depends on what the demand is um, as opposed to how ready the technology is. I remember when everyone was freaking out about solar panels uh, a few years ago, um, I thought to myself, yeah, it's a great idea. I love the idea Or electric cars, but uh, they rely so much on subsidies. They're not marketable yet. They're not ready for a mass market. They're too expensive um, still. I think the price will drop. Um, for sustainable kind of, you know, uh, technology like that, especially solar panels. Um, unless, you know, like I think um, just the other day I saw that we just recently put a tariff on importing solar panels, which will make solar panels much more expensive um, here, which is unfortunate. Um, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe the, it, it might cause some sort of, you know, economic um, turbulence to, to not invest in those technologies now. But <clears throat> I think when the market's ready for it, there'll be a supply of it.
0: mm mm-hmm. Going back to your uh, utopian theory of uh, the good versus the uh, heroin addicts, (laughs) uh, what's your sort of opinion now that uh, weed is completely legalized in California and how that's going to affect at least California's economy?
2: I mean, it, de- it depends on how. I need to brush up on how exactly it's being treated. It's definitely not completely legal. I think there's still a lot of restrictions on it. I mean, I, you can buy it, of course, and that kind of stuff. That's great. I'm, I'm you know, uh, I'm a libertarian, so I'm totally fine with <laughs> you doing whatever you want with uh, with that. But I don't per- personally partake, and I've not been keeping track of exactly what the legal status of it is. Um, but it could be a good thing. I mean, I know my wife's from Denver, and Colorado has definitely had a lot of um, money raised um, uh, from their, um, legalization of it. And I think could possibly be kind of a similar thing here. Um, and I think the the commerce from the legitimate trade, um, of, uh, marijuana will definitely be a, a little bit of a boost. Um, but California has got some pretty major economic problems for sure. Um, and I don't know if that's enough to completely solve all of it, <laughs> but it, yeah, I, I'm a big fan of it. Yeah.
1: Hmm? That was a lot of great information for me. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I need to go pick up a book, though. And
2: I will say, too, that the, um, the Austrian School of Economics in particular is a lot more approachable to a beginner than a lot of other schools of thought because it is not mathematic. It's very logical, and, you know, everything's very, like, mm-hmm. this and then this and then this and then this. You know, it builds upon itself very um, very logically, I guess. Um, so I would definitely recommend um, people start out with something like Economics in One Lesson by Hazlitt or... Um, even Man Economy and State by Murray Rothbard or something like that. Yeah.
0: What do you think, we, we asked this in terms of personal finance, but why do you think talking about the economy is sort of a taboo thing? Is it because people don't have enough knowledge? or I think
2: it's because it's it, you can't really talk about the economy without talking about policy and that mm-hmm. gets the people really riled up for sure. I've tried to <laughs> not get too into it you know, but it's kind of hard not to. Um, but yeah, people get really riled up about that sort of stuff I think and that's more what they get upset about than the economics in particular because most of the time they don't really know what the economics are. Um, they just know kind of the result they want and they have different opinions on how to get there, you know, just based on their gut instinct, I guess.
0: Do you think that's healthy or is that just avoiding the issue and making it worse? Uh, which issue? Did The fact of us just being so taboo oh, and not wanting to talk about it. I think it does
2: probably make it worse. I mean, I think people don't want to... Um, um, go to a lot of the effort that it takes to really learn a topic, whether that's economics or anything else, and and they kind of are happy to just give about whatever opinion feels good to them at the time, um, based on kind of their own reasoning, I guess, or whatever that is. Um, and uh, I think it is a little, a little bit harmful in, in the long run. But I mean, I'm not going to stop people from you know talking about things. I mean, you do your best with what information you have, and I get that, you know. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm certainly not perfect either. There's a lot I don't know, so. I get it.
0: There's a lot we don't know Yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's why we brought you in here to give us all the lowdown on economics.
2: For sure, for sure.
0: <laughs> um, and if you have to deduce it down, I mean, it seems like um, at least going out and voting, that's one of the most... Like impactful ways apart from
2: at this point, it seems like it. I think almost a more impactful way, though, is to um, engage in the economy, you know, become an entrepreneur, start a business. You know, um, online commerce has been one of the biggest boons to entrepreneurs in the history of the world. Um, It's easier than ever to have your own online thing, whatever that is, whether that's like a little ebook that you write and kind of market, or whether that's, you know, selling on Amazon or having any number of other possibilities. There's a lot of really cool um, stuff going on um, in online business these days. Um, And it's easier than ever. So I definitely recommend people check out something like um, Tom Woods has a really great little course about um, creating your own online business and that kind of stuff. Um, uh, It's definitely a really cool opportunity to engage in the economy yourself and, you know, try to forecast what people are going to want and provide that thing. And um, you'll learn a lot just through the experience of doing that for sure. (laughs) Just how all this works.
0: Alright, that's good advice. Yeah. Anything else, Sally?
1: I think that's it. Thank you so much, Vito. This was a, this was fun. Economics isn't scary, guys. <laughs> it's really great. It's all opinion based. We can have a great conversation. Yeah. And just chat about the
0: economy. How Absolutely. fun. Absolutely. And uh is there anything you want to promote? Uh people follow you on Twitter or something like to
2: Well, in my other life as a fiddle player, you can find me um at the chipped fiddle on Instagram. Um I think that'd be where I would point people to, you know, kinda. Of Keep track of what I'm doing. There's not a whole lot of economics on there yet, but I'm kind of hoping to make some sort of podcast in the future, which I will definitely um, uh, put on there at some point uh, if I ever do that. Um, but yeah, that's definitely. I'd like
1: to I'd like, like like to point out that Vito is not only a <laughs> fiddle player and like economics. He's a you said a karate coach,
2: karate instructor. Yeah, man. Yeah,
1: you're just well rounded. Got it all going on. <laughs>
2: Yeah, well, thank you guys for having me on. It was a a lot of fun. And again, you know, all of this is, you know, my subjective opinion for sure. And I recommend people check out, you know, some sort of resource, you know, if it's it's the ones that I pointed out or do some reading for yourself, you know, educate yourself and, you know, join the conversation a little bit, you know.
1: Definitely. Thanks so much, Vito.
2: Cool, cool. Absolutely. Thank
0: Thank you. you. Thanks for checking out our episode on the economy. Hopefully you've learned something. If there's future topics you would like us to cover, be sure to tweet me, at Phil Svitek, and at Ali Nasta, using the hashtag OSK. For your benefit, we've included links to our research so you can dig deeper on the subject matter. Thanks for joining on another episode of Open Source Knowledge. And don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts like us on Facebook, or check out our YouTube page where we'll be posting more bite-sized tips for everyday use. Also, be sure to comment with your thoughts and opinions. Part of our goal is to build a community to help crowd-solve life's problems, and to do that, we need your participation. Thanks in advance.